This is Salen Givergis, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 139 of Chasing Dreams. Today's episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thank you to all of our supporters for what you do. You guys are rock stars, and your support means the world to me, and I am grateful from the bottom of my heart. If you would like to join our Patreon supporters by donating a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can do so over at amyj21.com slash Patreon. So when this episode airs originally, it is the month of May. Today is May. And it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think that is an important month. I've always thought mental health is important and having conversations about mental health is even more important. And so in honor and recognition of Mental Health Awareness Month, I have an amazing dream chaser today to talk to about mental health and his dream chase and everything that's going on. And I think you'll enjoy the conversation. I Loved every minute of it. I am biased, but I think by the end of this episode, you'll agree with me that it was a good call to have him on the show. I'd like to introduce to you Salen Givergis. He currently serves as a senior fellow at the Center for the Study of Social Policy, as well as the founding director of the Mixed Income Strategic Alliance and its Innovation and Action Network. Before that, from April 2014 to January 2017, Salen served in a senior appointed leadership post as HUD's Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Office of International and Philanthropic Innovation within the Office of Policy Development and Research during the administration of President Barack Obama. He is a recognized expert and leader and has consulted, spoken, and written widely on open record laws and transparency, public education issues, civil rights and equity issues, community and economic development, sustainable urbanization, and civic innovation and engagement efforts. More importantly, to me, he is my cousin and older brother, and I am stoked that he has finally, finally caved in and said yes to coming on the show. We talk about family, why representation matters, and of course, mental health. His son, Sanjay, also joins us for the conversation. So let's just get right to it. All right, guys, we are here with my lovely guest in my studio office, which, you know, is still being renovated, but it's good enough for my family. And so they are here with me today. Hello, Salen Chachin, how are you? I am well. How are you, Amy? I'm good. So Chachin, guys, is older brother. And, you know, I've grown up with Salen Givergi, so I can't call him that. It's just weird to me. So uh, Salen Chachin or Salen C, you'll hear me refer to him as. And also with me today in the studio is Sanjay Givergi as well. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not smile so hard so I can ask these <laughs> questions that I need to ask. So thank you for jumping in. I know you're a busy, busy man. Um, you know, high school, no, middle school, sports and, and 
different things that you have going on, but you came here today and you're sitting in and I do appreciate it. And, you know, feel free to jump in. If something comes up, your dad might jump in. I don't mm-hmm. know, but we'll, we'll have some fun. How's that guys? I think it's going to be great. It's great. Y- you stoked Sanjay? Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. So this month it's May. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is episode 139 and it is mental health awareness month. Yeah. And so, you know, we're just going to talk because we never actually growing up really talked about mental health. Yeah. Right. It wasn't really a topic that I don't know if it's an Indian thing or just our family was blessed to not have those conversations, yeah. but we never really talked about it. So for this month, I think it just kind of came and went for us. Mm-hmm. But to, to. In fact, I, pro- I I don't think I even knew that it was, that it was mental health month. Yeah. In May. Sanjay, did you know there was a month? Nope. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't realize there's a month. And mental health is, I think, a a topic of conversation that is more and more important, especially in immigrant communities. Yeah. You know, in adjusting to America or wherever you guys are and just adjusting. Because there's a a difference in culture. There's a difference Mm -hmm. in expectations. Mm -hmm. And there's different things happening that I think, you know, we often don't. There's a stigma, right? Yes. Around sure. mental health. And, you know, when you talk about people being depressed, not my child. Right. Right. Not my anything. And so um, it's not that we're having a full conversation on mental health, but that is this month. And guys, I just want you to know it is going to be a part of the conversation today. It is an important part of any conversation and it should be a part. So we're going to kind of work towards taking away the stigma of mental health conversations and mm-hmm. kind of talk about that today. But before we get there, Salon Chajan, growing up, you grew up in America. Yes. Were you born in America? I was born in America. Grown up here, you have such a illustrious career. <laughs> and did you ever predict the trajectory your career would take? No, no. I mean, I think growing up, if you asked my folks, they always knew I had a big mouth. And so they probably thought that I would probably use it in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. So pretty early on, while I was good at the sciences and they would have probably said, oh, being a doctor or an engineer, knowing that I would do something where I would have to speak and present and talk and write a lot, uh, I think they were probably comfortable with that. But if you were to ask me what I have predicted what the pathway would be, probably not at all. Did you have any, it's weird to say, did you have any ambitions when you were in, say, high school or when you were Sanjay's age that of things that you wanted to be? It's interesting. I think because when you speak publicly a lot, you end up hearing a lot from folks that, oh, Salin's going to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Or Salin's going to have some public kind of role. There are folks who thought, will Salin enter politics? That's true. I thought you would enter politics. I think there are people in our family who probably still think that yeah. I would <laughs> enter politics. I don't know if me or the family have the stomach for what it means now. But because there were these visible public roles... Leader got dropped a lot mm-hmm. early. And then I think I settled into, okay, what would leadership look like for me? And that also took 
lots of different forms, as you know. And that's the interesting thing, because you did the law school thing. You were actually the first I did. in our family right. to do the law school thing. Right. I mean, Jamie and I, we have had conversations right. with you right. about When you it. were going through it, we and talked about that. What that meant, yeah. and what to do. And you came out and you went into nonprofit. I did. I mean, I initially went into a law firm and what I would end up saying, and I think I told you guys this, I went into recovery as a lawyer pretty early Mm -hmm. in my career. But in addition to the leader thing, I think because of our Thidamini Upachin, my own dad, there was always this sense of how might I serve and had a particular uh, deep feeling for providing for the poor. And so guys, just as some frame of reference, uh, Thirmi Apachin is uh, His Grace Giris Marathathios. Um, and so he was beloved in our right. Orthodox church. He gave back like no one else. Um, he St. Paul's Mission Center was his baby. That's right. Will, and he, he was known for giving back. So that's one of the things he has taught us right. every time we saw him uh, in anything that was always- And he uh, had a particular ministry for the poor. Yes. Right? So yeah. if we were children growing mm-hmm. up, that was just a part of the story. And for my dad, who spent a lot of time with him, had his own sense, this uh, this notion of what do we do about poverty mm-hmm. was also a part of that very early set of thinking. So the, the route into- public policy or thinking about poverty or nonprofit, as you were saying, that I think was all in the sauce, so to speak. Yeah. So that's actually interesting because one of the things, you know, people talk about is how representation matters. Yeah. And the visibility of one's impact on someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Achin Apachin, who is Salen Jachin's dad, uh, is how I call him. He has played a influential part in your life, right? Yeah. Seeing him in action, seeing Thidamini Apachin right. in action. Right. Do you feel, hypothetically, let's say that they weren't doing what they were doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's it's a stretch of the imagination for, for me to say Thidamini Apachin never gave back mm-hmm. and that he did not have that role. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. And let's say Achin Apachin didn't have that role. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would probably have still gone down that road or do you think seeing them do what they did influenced you to the point of it being in the sauce, so to speak, and just I I think it made it made a fundamental difference because it was a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then because my father was a college professor, uh, when he was writing, when he was preparing for class, when we would have conversations around the dinner table, it was in the mix, right? But you know, as you know, I am flanked on both sides, older brother, younger sister, they're both physicians. Mm-hmm. Right. So why would it uh, why would it in certain ways, all of us are about service. Why did it settle in with me in a particular type of way? I don't know. I will say, though, when you just asked the question, what I went back to mm-hmm. was um, and Sanjay has seen this, the elementary school where I grew up, yeah. where I went to school mm-hmm. that has since closed. This was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That school. uh had folks from the surrounding neighborhood and where it was, you were a little kid when we probably drove you by the school. 
but there were African-American families from the neighborhood that were in and around the school. There were kids that were bused in from mm-hmm. places. And as I remember, there were kids from a foster home that were also a part of the experience. So if you think about, I keep thinking about when I was that age and realizing the differences in our experiences, what we had, what we didn't have. And that, that may have been another thing that probably influenced, because I was very aware early that what I had and what others had were different. It just goes to show, because I don't think people realize, or we take it for granted, how seeing something, yeah. you know, how that can impact us and influence us. I mean, Sanj, would you say that seeing your dad work plays a part in what you do in your day-to-day life? Do you think seeing him give back the way he does is important to you? Uh, Definitely. It has definitely influenced me to think about others. And my dad always knows that I've always Mm. looked at homeless people a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered about what I could do for them in a similar way that he has looked at them for many, many years. So I, I was definitely influenced by him. Yeah, so it's definitely a generational thing. Or it's not even just like you've done it. This yeah. has happened for you. This has just happened for me seeing people give back. It's clearly that it's all ages. Yeah. All across the board that this is impacting people. And one of the things and reasons why I think representation matters and seeing people of different colors, races, ethnicities, genders, yeah, religions, you know, sexual orientation, what have you, um, why it's important to see them in different roles and responsibilities, so to speak, or just them chasing their dream. Because oftentimes I think seeing someone else, I always go to the example of Leslie Jones and Mm -hmm. how she talks about, I think it was on The View, uh, how Whoopi Goldberg, seeing her win the Academy Award. Sure. I remember that Is what reminded her or encouraged her to chase her dream of being an actress and a comedian because she saw someone of her own complexion. I think it's just very powerful, right? Oh, I think I think it absolutely matters. I mean, if you didn't ask, but if I were to if I were to have gone to a different elementary school, mm-hmm. and if you add that also to the if my father and Thiruminiyappachan had been different, would I have been different? Right? If those influences mm-hmm. of thinking and giving back had been different, would I have been different? Probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I I think there's no, I don't want to say there are no ifs about it, but I think it played a big part Mm -hmm. because I I see it in you from an outside perspective. Mm. I see their influence in you and not just them. Let's be clear. You know, um, his mom, Grace Yamaji. Yes. Strong woman, teacher, professor. Right. Gives back also just as much and also an influence. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, just with how he treats other females and women in his life. Right. And I have seen, you know, uh, the kindness and gentlemanliness that might've been the Southern in him also though, but, mm. but that, that is there. And so I, I know she's played also. Oh, she was, I mean, she taught in, I guess what would be classically known as inner city schools mm-hmm. for her entire professional career. Mm-hmm. So those exposures absolutely mattered. When we would go and help my mother with her bulletin board in the classroom or go to a Friday night football game or a basketball game, seeing her interact in those spaces, I think, again, were fundamental character molding moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it has it. And so you have led this life of service as long as I've known you. Mm. 
in some way, shape, or form, you've always given back, whether it was through the nonprofit, mm-hmm. whether it's through your work at HUD. Yeah. Right? And and now you are still doing that in a different role in the private sector. Mm-hmm. And so in all of this, there was one particular time during the service, though, that you had something that was different. Mm. And there was many reasons I wanted you on the show. But the story that I will not give away, sure. that I want you to share, is a dream. And I'm going to call it a dream. It's a wish you had. It, it was, was. But it was it was kind of a dream that you had during your time in the Obama administration. Correct. Right? Talk a little bit about that story, if you will, for those who are not in our family listening and, what, and are like, what is she talking about? Yes. How far back do I need to go, Amy? From the beginning? You're going to have to cut <laughs> me off. From the beginning of time. <laughs> no, let, let's go with, uh, set it up. I'll set it up. You can set it up. So uh, there's some humor in here too. So we'll put some humor in the midst of this. I like lots of folks in the country and I th- were, uh, I was euphoric when I didn't expect for this country in my lifetime, maybe in Sanjay's lifetime, to elect the first African-American president. Mm-hmm. So like everybody, when that when that moment happened, I was, at the time, I was a kind of program executive at the Annie Casey Foundation, so was in the nonprofit philanthropic mm-hmm. space. And this would have been 2008, as 2009 kind of rolls around, I did have an opportunity to serve on some transition committees actually for HUD. But six months into the administration, this is when some of the humor actually happens. We were, I don't even know if Sanjay knows this. We were, because uh, you were much younger then, you would have been four. four. We were on vacation in Florida and I saw an email come across my smartphone. And the email said, I hear you're leaving. This is the truth. I don't know if I've even told you this part of the story. Have I told no, you this I part of the story? No, I don't know this part. So I was there in a, in a hotel room. My wife, Yurasha Chichi, was in there. And I actually told her when I read this email that came from my assistant at the Casey Foundation, I think I just got fired while I'm on my vacation. Because the subject just said, I heard you're leaving? I hear you're leaving. And my answer at the moment was, I didn't think I was going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And Sanjay, I think at the time, you were probably at the pool. Your Chichi was there with me. I looked at it and I said, I have no idea. I wrote back. I said, I don't think I'm going anywhere. What did you hear? Right? I'm not sure how I would have responded, but that was a very politically good reaction. It was a good reaction. And I was on vacation. I was intending to have a vacation, (laughs) right? I was not intending to start looking for employment while I was on my vacation. This is part of the humor. So I, at the moment, I gathered myself. And then in another uh, moment, actually said, uh, wrote back to my assistant and said, what are you hearing? And she said that something was getting around the organization that I was leaving. I said, so everybody knows what (laughs) I said. Do you know where I'm going? (laughs) Right. She didn't know where I was going. And uh, I remind you again, this is like the eighth time I've said this. I'm on vacation. Right. So I fire back another message to her. I said, I have no idea 
what's going on, what you're talking about. So this is summer 2009. And so she thought she was doing you a favor. She thought she was doing, she was like, congratulations. Where are you going? I said, I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going. So I fire off another message. This time I actually send it to a colleague of mine who I've worked a lot with, who's kind of a person in the know, a great mentor and friend of mine. I forward the message to him, same message. I said, do you know, I think I said, do you know where I'm going? And this is a nice lesson for everyone. Um, I didn't hear anything back. I'm sitting there with my smartphone. On vacation. I, I'm on vacation. I didn't hear anything back. And so I'll give myself some credit at this moment. I send another message to him. And I say, if I don't hear anything from you, I'm going to assume there's nothing to talk about, that I still have a job. I can actually return from vacation and not feel like my boxes have been packed and I don't hear anything. So in my mind, I, what I say is I named the silence. I just gave it an answer. I said, this is what this means. That is a lesson, guys. That's a, that's a good approach. Not one I would have thought of. But right. Smooth, so smooth on your part. I ended up just naming it. We finished out the vacation. I ended up, you know, returning back to work. It may have been a month and a half later. And at that time, folks will remember, this is like 2009. So the Recovery Act time was happening mm-hmm. in the country. You know, the bottom was falling out of the economy. We happened to be in fairly regular communications with Vice President Biden's office at the time. And I was on one of these calls that we had. And the person that I forwarded the message to saying, do you know anything about this? Mm -hmm. At the end of the call said, that thing you asked me about now, maybe a month and a half, two months later, I'm now prepared to talk to you about. So here's another lesson. I had no idea. I just moved on. You let it go. I let it, I totally let it go. So to the point that when he raised it, that thing you asked, I said, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, he said, call me back. When I called him back, he said, and I would have never expected this. He said, uh, there's been a request for you to come and serve in the Obama administration. And I thought, I didn't see that coming. And that's how I came to find out. And so... Months went on. It was quite a process because I actually ended up going as an executive on loan first from the foundation, which I found out was the first time someone had had done that. And then we fast forward. I end up having an opportunity. I start serving in the administration. And, you know, I most of the time I was there serving in the Obama administration, I think I was in awe that this had happened to me. I thought, how many folks are this blessed and this lucky to get an overture from an administration to serve in the way? And I ended up starting to serve at HUD. Mm -hmm. The part of the story that's the interesting part of the story is, you know, this became, you'll remember you were younger then, you know, I was serving in the Obama administration. So among the first calls that I made when that when I finally found out that that's what it was, mm-hmm. was yes to my wife and the family here, but I called home. And my mom and dad, 
who again, professors, teachers, service folks, they were euphoric. They were passionate. They never quite knew what I was going to do. Yes, you have a, a question. Lot, no, it's not, it's not a question. It's more of a comment that a lot of your family had no idea. And probably to this day, guys, this may be the time. So for all my cousins listening, we may find out what he actually does. I had no idea what you were doing. Uh, no, I think, again, in our uh, in the chasing of dreams, right? Particularly when there's some element of your story that feels like it's the first, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot, Amy, that you do that's first oriented, right? And where our family members, no experience, right? No one had gone to, I had no nobody. No one had done politics. No right. Had nobody gone had gone in that public service, public policy, not law as, even, yeah, not at that as moment. Even right. as big as you did. Yes. All we knew from right. your family perspective was, He's doing something he's proud of. He's giving back to his country, his community, his to people. Right. We are proud of you. Yes. I mean, that, that was, was our that was our that was enough. I think fuel probably for me. I so you know that career and thinking about issues of the poor. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't really understand in agencies, federal agencies of some sort. I worked at Housing and Urban Development mm -hmm. HUD. Uh, that was where I served. I actually served in the Obama administration multiple roles, but that entire time, it was actually at HUD and different secretaries, but always there serving in the president's administration there. So your family is proud of you. Yes. Your your parents are happy for you. They are. Right. Uh, Grace Amici, Ajinabachin, thankful that you're doing right. this work. Right. So let's go to the story. Yes. Now, now we've set it up. We've we been have. working for a bit. I've been working for a bit. So, you know, again, I start as an executive on loan. Mm -hmm. And then maybe eight months in, I hear from folks in the White House and the administration that they want me to become an appointee of the president. Okay. So, again, it's one thing to serve. Now it's a completely different thing that the president wants you that much closer on his team. Mm -hmm. So the call again, goes home. And I talked to my mom and my dad. And I said, now the president wants to make me one of his appointees. And again, I didn't even know what that really meant. Mm -hmm. They definitely did not know what it meant. But from that moment on, the language changes to Solon works for President Obama, right? And whatever it was that I did, However, it ended up happening. Uh, that was the statement. He works for President Obama, right? Mm -hmm. So I, the part of the story that's interesting is, and that I'll say given May and Mental Health Month is, around that time, my dad probably was in the early stages of dementia. Mm -hmm. uh, he had already retired from over 40 years of teaching as a professor. And, and so in the early years of the administration, as is my practice even to this day, when I'm driving into work and taking the train in, I would always call home. And as I would call home, my mom would be the one usually to answer the phone. And then she would hand the phone off to my dad. 
So as the dementia starts in, and none of us, this was the, our first real experience mm-hmm. with dementia. In the early stages of my father's condition, you know, he's a college professor, so he always has plenty to say. But when that is kicking in, there's not a lot of chatting that ends up happening. Now, he wasn't a huge chatting type of person in the first place. Right. But when you add the dementia in it, he gets pretty focused. And so as I'm checking in to see how he's doing, um, there's only one thing he really wants to know. Are you going to see President Obama today? And literally every day for the first couple of years, every day. That was the narrative. That was what he asked. Mm -hmm. He would tolerate my asking him, how is he doing and everything else? The only thing he wanted to know is, are you going to see President Obama today? And, and just to be clear, your your role while while being closer to the president right. doesn't put you in a day-to-day It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Proximity. No. With Again, Trump. I think people, everyone has different roles. Sure. Some folks are in the White House. Some folks are in different agencies. But this is exactly, you know, what it was. So, you know, my father, again, I worked for President Obama. Right. I think in his mind, he's thinking day to day here. Are you are you hugging it out? Are you shaking his hand? Are you coming in and out of meetings? Did you bring his coffee? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Whatever it is. And that's not what my reality is. And so I would often say to him, uh, given particularly the dementia, not today, daddy. Um, And I, I always thought, was he going to stop asking me? But he didn't. For nearly two years, every day. And my mom would be hearing him, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes my mom, because of the, again, this is one of the things that happens with dementia, and now he has Alzheimer's, is there's a repetition that kicks in. And so he would ask sometimes the same question. And again, he asked this one question every day for nearly two years. So pretty early on, I get in my mind, and this is part of the promise in the dream, said, I got to figure out some way to spend a moment to get a picture with President Obama for him. Mm -hmm. And so, But you've come close, Easter egg hunts. Oh, yeah. Sanjay's been on how many Easter egg hunts? You've done the hunt. Yeah, three or four. Yeah, we saw him one time. We did see him one time. He came out. He came out. From afar. We saw him from afar. He was actually on the other side of a fence. Inauguration. Inauguration. We've been to inauguration, right? So, So, again- You've gotten close, but not to the point where you can have a conversation or take a close picture. So, That's right. So your dream, your passion, your purpose for trying to make this happen still continues. Still continues. And literally, it it kept on. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned before, I would, I served under two secretaries there at HUD, Secretary Donovan and Secretary Castro. And... With each passing year, as folks would check in, the custom is a liaison, a White House liaison would check in with you. They pretty much wonder, are you happy? What do you actually need? And as I would uh, say to them, to the point that it actually got written down, I I said, I'm totally fine. Work is great. Uh, I feel like I can still, I still have a purpose in what I'm doing here, but I have one request. And my request was, if there is a moment for me to just take a picture of the president. Not for me, right? I've had the honor of serving. I have had the honor of going to Easter egg hunts with Sanjay and others. I 
I feel fulfilled, but I would share the story of the, those first couple of years of him asking. And almost always there would be tears in people's eyes. But, you know, the president has a serious job to do. And as the years would pass, and, you know, I served almost seven of the eight years, I didn't think that it was probably going to happen. It ended up, as I would call it, it ended up being on the bucket list with each White House liaison to the point that almost every year when they would check in with me, if not every year, they would start looking at me and like, it's on the list. It's on, It's in our notes. We know. We know, Salin, what you want. And um, I'm approaching the last year of the administration, 2016. Mm-hmm. And I get a call. And the call is... Uh, we've nominated you for leadership and service uh, as a recognition of what you've done. And part of that recognition is that you're going to have a moment with the president. Uh, and I, I was overcome. Uh, it had been by that moment, it had been literally uh, six years, but the moment was there and I had it. And then uh, I ended up calling home. At that moment, I think of my office hallway and my mom picked up the phone and all I said to her was, guess what? And you know this, Amy, and must be back even for Asha, my wife, Sanjay's mom, moms know. All I said was, guess what? And my mom said, you're going to meet him. And I said, yes, mommy, I'm going to meet him. I'm going to have a chance, I think, for a moment with the president uh, to realize the promise that I had made to my father. So it was probably weeks later. It actually happened to be about a week and a half prior to my dad's birthday. I meet the president in the Oval Office between all of us here and probably whoever's listening, I still don't remember. I was in a daze. I walk into the Oval Office. President's in front of me. We're having a conversation. I don't remember what he thanks me for. (laughs) All I know is that somehow, with respect, I have to say to the president the story. Mm -hmm. And so... Pete Souza's taking a picture and everything else. And someone even asked me, do you remember what was in the Oval Office with the paint? I don't remember anything. (laughs) I don't remember anything. I just remember presidents in front of me. And he's about to conclude and kind of usher me out, wrap wrap up. And I say to him, Mr. President, I've got to share the story with you. I'm standing here on behalf of my family and countless individuals who never have this chance to actually serve the country in this way. And in particular, I'm standing here in the place of my father who spent his lifetime thinking about the issues of the poor and opportunity and such. President listens intently. And then he says, unbeknownst to me, I don't think anyone else may have known. I don't know. He says, well, let me write him a note. Even to this moment, I'm thinking, was that really real? He says, turns around 
and walks to the corner of his desk in the Oval Office, pulls out a blank piece of stationery, asks me what my dad's name is, and right in front of me, writes him a note. And said, and in the note, thanks uh, me for my service. And then as a proud father himself, says, I did a great job. Thanks, uh, Daddy, for his support. And then I walk out. As I'm walking out, people are like tearing up, welling up, had said to me they had never seen him do that before. So long and short of it is, it doesn't end there, as you know, mm -hmm. but is I, I just wanted a, a picture to be able to send home. Which you got. He did get that. Uh, I did get that. Mm -hmm. No, no doubt. I definitely got that. Mm -hmm. And the picture actually, uh, at beautiful least, picture. yeah, one of the, at least the candid one is the moment where I'm talking to the president and sharing the story with him. But I got this note. So the note, do you want me to keep going? Yeah. So the note, yes. right? You get the note. Talk about what happened with the note, but Tell everyone what happened in the after. Okay. What you did and what resulted yes. from that. I'll I tried try to, to be... say it, I tried to say it without giving it away. Yes, so yes, yes. Appreciate it. Nicely done. Nicely done. Thank right? you. So I mentioned before that it's about when this happens, I think April 28th, I think is when it was, 2016, is when I meet with the president, go home, you know, or walk back to my office. I call my mom. I, I mentioned to her... Not only did I meet the president, I got this picture that I'm going to hopefully be able to share with daddy, uh, that I, uh, he wrote him a note. And mommy ended up, I'll never forget this. Mommy said, what a nice man. I mean, it's the president <laughs> of the United States, right? There are a lot of things you could actually say, but she was- The she highest was, of compliments. The highest of compliments, the highest right? highest of compliments. What a nice man, mm -hmm. right? So I'm. Uh, I already know we're going to be headed home to celebrate my dad's birthday right. about a week and a half later. And how was his mental state at that time? You know, it is his progression in the Alzheimer's. Uh, by this moment, it's it's now changed from dementia to Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. right? And he doesn't say as much anymore. Um, but he. You know, we're going home to celebrate his sure. birthday. Mm -hmm. And it's about a week and a half later. I, after the what a nice man kind of comment, I end up sharing with the family that this moment has actually happened. I think I may have even sent out a picture or something like whatever it was to folks just to let them know that this is what had happened and to share the experience with everyone. But then I say to the family, be prepared to take a picture as a family with daddy, because I was I had the note mm -hmm. with daddy holding the note, right? So we week and a half later we're at home. We take the picture. I take a picture with daddy holding the card. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm leaning down to daddy to show him the card. And again, I you know, it's Alzheimer's. This is one of the things for your listeners who are going through this as well, you never quite know at that stage of the disease uh, what they're understanding, mm -hmm. right? But even in the latter years, when he stopped asking me the question, like, are you gonna see President Obama today? 
If I ever asked, and Sanjay saw Upatan several times, if I ever asked Daddy, who do I work for? Without fail, you work for President Obama. He would almost always say it, right? And I think even if I asked him now, this many years later, he probably would still say it if I if we worked on it. Um, so I leaned down to Daddy and I said, Daddy, I told you that I would try to get this promise realized. And the president wrote you a note. So I hand him the card. We take a picture. He's got this big gleaming smile. It's the cutest. I have to believe that he understood. Maybe I want to believe that he understood what was going on at the moment. So we leave. We're actually headed for a wedding, if I remember correctly, out to Seattle. This was when we went to Seattle for a wedding. I'm looking at Sanjay. And I say to everyone, uh, my wife and everyone else, I said, I'm going to write the president a letter and to just express appreciation for the moment. Sure. Absolutely. And to be able to say a little bit more about daddy and mommy's story, their own dreams, what they had accomplished mm -hmm. at that moment. So more than your five minute conversation. More than my five minute conversation. given him. So right. you're going to expand upon it. Okay. Right. So I wrote him a letter. Mm-hmm. And included the photos. And I honestly, you know, the president gets thousands upon thousands of letters every day. I never thought, I thought of it as that moment when you do something and you do it because it's the right thing to do. Sure. He extended a kindness in writing a note. No one ever expected it. I didn't expect it. So I just sent him a note of appreciation. And whether he got it or he gets it after. You know, who knows, but I just rest it was the gesture. It was the gesture. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, come home one day. And I think this is in June now. So some time had passed. And there's a package actually, even before I get home. Do you remember this? I lunch? remember very clearly. You remember, were you at home at that yeah, time? I was at home. You opened it in your bedroom. Yes. And you you were in shock. I Mom, was in shock. Mommy, um, I think she was taking a shower and she you you told her and she had no words. I, I think everybody was in shock. I mean what honestly it was interesting because when I was on my way home, mm -hmm. um your uh Apachin, your mom's uh dad actually asked me, were you expecting something from the White House? Because it was in an envelope. You remember the envelope? It was in an envelope. And I said, no. I honestly thought, yeah, maybe it might be a picture or something, some kind of something, right? Like the photo you got That's right. framed or something. Something, something, right? And um, I'm opening it up. And lo and behold, inside is a another letter from the president acknowledging my letter of appreciation to him and the photos. And I thought to myself, he didn't need to do that. That was not even my intent was for him to, for us to start getting into a letter of appreciation. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, thank you. No, no, thank <laughs> you. Right. I didn't expect that right. at all, but I was overcome. I was overcome. And, you know, 
it was as much an indicator of the president's character, mm -hmm. of his appreciation of the authenticity in that moment. And what he said in the letter actually will always touch me. He he acknowledged what my parents as immigrants to the country had done, not only for us as children, but for countless others in our family and elsewhere and students. And And then he said, given the tough situation that we we're in with daddy's Alzheimer's, that his thoughts and prayers were going to be with us. And I thought, what a moment, right? To yeah. not only to be honest about the Alzheimer's, to feel about that with us. Sure. And to offer his thoughts and prayers. So when that package came, when the letter came, what did you think? Uh, Were you I, surprised as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think it, it, at all that that was what it was. <laughs> as same as daddy, I thought it was some sort of, I don't like, good job or... <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> congratulations or whatever it was. But then it happened to be this gift mm -hmm. that the president had given mm -hmm. daddy and my grandfather and grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll cherish that forever. Mm -hmm. And... We'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you think about the fact that he took the time to write that letter? Like, does that stand out for you? Or do you think? It makes me think about how much the president cares about mm -hmm. certain um, people that he has touched or mm -hmm. has touched him. Mm -hmm. um, that he would go out of his way. It's the president of the United States mm -hmm. would go out of his way to write a letter to us. So you get this letter and, and you're not going back and, and writing him again or anything like no, that, right? No, no. Right. That wasn't the, again, Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't for the... a volley or anything like that. This moment, this this happens to you and we're not going to get political or anything, but it stayed with you. It did. Enough, in, in fact, for you to share this story. Yeah. Why was that important to you? You know, I thought that... You know, character matters. You know, if you asked me a while ago about my own career trajectory, what I've had a chance to do in this notion of being a leader, mm -hmm. to me, it was the humility of the moment. It was the character in the moment. Just again, if you think back to the, he didn't need to do the note. There were others who were recognized. He took time out to say, let me do something special. And to me, that was as much of a, what does it mean to do something more? Mm -hmm. To give people, as Sanjay was saying, an additional gift. So there was an additional gift of that moment. That was enough. The note itself was enough. Um, and the letter that I sent for me was probably as close as I was going to get to being able to say more fully, sure. thank you. Sure. But I thought, I kept thinking back to the character of leadership mm -hmm. and that manifestation, that example in real time in front of me, that was multiple moments, not one, but multiple moments. And what that means for any of us sure. and the leaders. And I will say this, there are times in politics and with leaders where the only thing that people are thinking about or that we would think that they're thinking about 
are themselves. Mm -hmm. And I thought those were all moments where the president was thinking about someone else. And so when Sanjay and I have conversations about the homeless or others, I keep thinking about the examples of leadership that are not about yourself, mm -hmm. but about everyone else. And your mom and dad, who are supreme examples of folks who are giving, those are the kinds of character examples that I think make a lot of sense to me. Sanj, did you think that this would ever happen? Which part? Your, your dad getting a moment with President Obama. I knew that he really wanted it. Mm -hmm. But did he, you think it would happen? To be honest, no. I mean, not many people get that opportunity. And that's realistic. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. How many people work in the administration hoping for, for just that? And honestly, Sanjay, the truth is, I was going to be fine to have served the country and to not have the moment happen. I had gotten uh, okay, that, that prompt. Yeah. You had accepted? I'd accepted it. Yeah. Right? I had accepted that I, the gift that I had was the gift to serve the country. But let's right? be clear. You accepted that it may not happen, but you didn't quit in trying. I didn't right? quit trying. So there, there's, yeah, there's absolutely. a distinction in that. That's absolutely the case. That's right? absolutely. So, you know, every, to the point that I mentioned earlier, every time that I would meet with the White House liaison, it got to the point where they knew it. They knew exactly. They're like, we don't need to hear. We know exactly why you're here. So there was persistence there. That's absolutely okay. So one of the things, you know, with it being mental health awareness, with Achinapachin going from dementia to Alzheimer's, living with that, you know, caring for that, with Sanjay being the next generation mm. and understanding the importance of embracing time because of this. Mm -hmm. I think you do understand that a little bit more now. I think our whole family kind of understands that concept a little more. What is it you want for Sanjay? And then Sanjay, I'm going to ask you what you want. You know what? Hold your thought. Yes. Sanjay, let me ask you first in case it influences one way or the other. Seeing Achinapachin and what he's going through, right? Does that change how you want to chase your dreams? Do you have dreams you want to chase? Not at the moment. Um, Which is fair. You're 13, man. I, I, I completely mm -hmm. understand. I mean, just seeing what he's going through, and Daddy always tells me this is not at all what he was. Mm -hmm. um, just knowing that that um, that I I can use that as like a like a backbone mm -hmm. for later in life. Mm -hmm. That I I can that that'll help me that'll influence what I do in life that as it helped Daddy mm -hmm. and um, his other kids as well. Mm -hmm. um, my uncle and aunt, that they will, um, that I, I will go through a similar process, even though that um, I I wasn't able to see my grandfather mm -hmm. the way they did. And that goes for all my cousins, sure. except for my um, oldest, so, eldest. Sanjali Chaji, yeah. Yeah, um, well, and um, I remember she started crying one time. And she was with Opposition because it was just, um. Was it difficult? It's, it's it's very difficult to see such a powerful man. Yes. Turn to something that we, none of us know he, none of us know that he should. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, um, 
my dad says that there were so many more things that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that he never got a chance. So does that make you want to push yourself to do everything you can while you can? Definitely. So Salon Chachin, with this in your life now, mm-hmm. does that change your approach than what you were maybe? Because, you know, probably four years, Achinapshin was did not have the signs of dementia probably yeah. for Sanjay's life, right? You're approaching, you know, raising him in a certain way. But now dementia, Alzheimer's, how that is. Does that change how you raise Sanjay in particular with how you encourage him to chase dreams or, you know, what you want for him in the future? Yeah, I, I think about for my parents, for many of our parents, but particularly for my father who... In the 1950s, uh, with his own dream of getting an education, contributing to society, raising a family, coming on a cargo ship yeah. for over 30 days sailing, mm-hmm. uh, I keep thinking about what kind of courage that took that long ago for him to come, what he faced in ways that are very different for our community. In our community of Indians, Malayalis, he was among the first people that came. Sure. And so, you know, it, it's that model that Sanjay, I think, has heard about around facing the unknown, mm-hmm. coming to a strange country, having command of the language, but knowing that not many people that look like him are going to be in the places where he goes. Sure. Uh, that absolutely, I think, fuels me. And I, I think we're at points now where with pictures and with conversations where we are trying to give uh, Sanjay's generation, my nieces and nephews, those stories mm-hmm. to, to say to a Sanjay that you come from a bloodline of folks who faced lots of odds, who dreamed big things, and have achieved much, right? So the the world is yours to create. Who would have thought, you know, when my father came that many years ago? Sure. This many years ago, there's a Sanjay Koshi, you know, Matthew Koshi Givergis that's in front of him and has a chance to uh, fulfill his own dreams. And... That is one of the reasons, you know, I love you guys for other reasons as well, but for your encouragement, you guys mm-hmm. have always been encouraging, uh, whether it's me, any of my sisters, any of our cousins, whatever it is, you know, chasing dreams has been one that you've encouraged. And I think mm-hmm. it's been part of Amachi and Achinapachin's yes. influence in that, you know, when we try to do the same thing, I think it's because of their experience and past right. and sharing the stories that you do with Sanjay and all. I think is what will continue. I think so. I hope so. I, I think it will be. I think it will be. But thank you both for taking the time to share Achinapajan's story, the story of your dreams and what you're doing. And, you know, we wish you guys nothing but the best. And Can I say one last thing? I Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Given that it's uh, May and it's Mental Health Month. Yeah. I will say that, for, and you talked Early about 
uh, it was tough for us. It was tough for my mom mm-hmm. uh, to uh, tell the story, not only in our community, but elsewhere. I think she felt ashamed. To Sanjay's point, my dad was a powerful speaker, teacher, and Alzheimer's is very dehumanizing. You know, it stripped a lot of that it robbed him. from him. It robbed him of a lot. We are grateful that he, even in his kind of timidity now, there are lots of ways that the disease takes hold. Mm -hmm. But I would encourage people, we have felt the need to say to folks, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There you go. We didn't ask for my father to have Alzheimer's. And he didn't ask for it, for everything that he may do on a day-to-day basis sure. that is completely different from the person that he is. And there are those things that he does that are completely different. We are embracing the moments that God gives us with him. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would encourage everyone to find that, find that for themselves. I can't say it better, guys. That's, yes, I, I can't say it better. So- Thank you once again for you both for coming on the show and sharing your story. I love you. We love you back. Love you, Amiga. And there you have it, guys. That was my cousin, Salen Givergiz, and his son, Sanjay. I was so happy he was able to come onto the show that we were able to have that conversation. Even happier to have that conversation on mental health and representation and why it's so important to have uh, those conversations today, frankly. So... If you guys want to learn more about Salen and what he is doing, you can do so over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 139. That's episode 139. If you guys enjoyed today's episodes or any of the episodes, I'd like to encourage you and ask you to share these episodes with your friends and your network on social media or, you know, one-on-one email, whatever the case is. Love to have that. Love to hear that people are enjoying it and hope you will join us in sharing the message to chase your dreams. Okay. Until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.